0: And so in this series position, we've looked at the first heart position. We're looking at five over the next few weeks. First one was humility, and we split that up into two weeks, didn't we? Pride and humility. And um, this week, we're looking for hunger for him, hunger for him. And, you know, I was Tuesday morning, I was at the NLC, and I was in the worship. And uh, I had a particular view on, on the teaching I was going to take on this. Um, and I thought I had it all mapped out. And then, and then God said, Mark, I just want to feed my people. So I'm not going to teach that much. And there's a reason why the front row has disappeared, because Jesus is going to feed us this morning, and there's going to be an extended time of ministry just for you to be fed. And i tell you something, the first service was powerful, it really was, and it's going to be no less this, this service now. And let me tell you right now, I am excited. And so what are we going to look at hunger? Well, just as a summary, and then we'll work backwards. You know, as we position ourselves in humility, which is what we looked at last week, God then pours his grace into us. We saw that, didn't we? And what grace does is enables us to see who he is, his goodness, and his love for us, and crucially, our need for him more clearly. And in so doing, we realize how hungry we are for him. And how do we respond? We respond with, yes, Lord, and he feeds us and satisfies us. And so what I'd like to do is unpack this and see how hunger operates in our spiritual lives. And I thought I'd start by looking at what hunger is. And so I've got three characteristics of hunger. You ready? Here's the first one. We hunger after that which can satisfy us. Now think about this. We hunger after food, right, because only food can satisfy our stomachs. Flip it around the other way. The absence of food causes us to hunger after it, right? You see this? See where I'm going with this? Now, when you go outside, you're going to see some donuts, and they are going to look good. And you're going to be like, I am hungry for some donuts. Well, at least that's me anyway. Steph was like, No, you're not having any donuts on the first service. And she's probably correct. These are a bit tight. But you see the donuts, don't you, the food? And you think, that is going to satisfy me. And you have the donut, and you feel full. It's not like you're going to walk out there and go, man, that chair looks tasty. I've got to have me some chair. No, you don't hunger after it because the chair is not going to satisfy you. I'm being a bit silly, but you see my point, right? So we hunger after that, which can fill us. Number two. Here's the other characteristic of hunger. Hunger pains eventually fade if we ignore them. You know, I did one of these uh, lemon detox diets a number of years. Anyone done a detox diet? You have? Yeah. I, I, listen, I wouldn't advise it if I'm honest. The end result was all right, but it was painful. Seven days without food. You know, it's like day one, I'm hungry. Day two, I need some food. Day three, man, this, my headache is terrible. But then what happens, day four, I feel a bit better. Day five, the hunger fades, and eventually, the hunger completely fades. Have you experienced that? But here's the crucial thing. It's not that I no longer needed the food. You and I are made in such a way that we will always need the food, but if we choose to ignore the hunger pains for long enough, the hunger fades, right? But here's the thing, over time, you start seeing the effect of lack of food on your body, don't you? You start feeling weak and you start feeling sick. And so here it is, the indication that you need food is no longer the hunger pains, but the evidence in your life of the absence of food. You get that? You cannot rely on the hunger pains any longer because you have allowed them to fade and so what happens is, it is the evidence in your life of the absence. Number three, Hunger pains come back as you start to eat again. So at the end of this seven-day detox, I was like, I do not need food. I am Superman, obviously. But I knew I had to eat food eventually. So we were in Sydney at the time, and Sydney does great sushi. And so I went to the local sushi bar and got one of these California rolls. I was like, here goes. Nibble, nibble, nibble. (gasps) The hunger rushed back. I was like, wow, I really am hungry. That was the best sushi I've ever eaten, I have to tell you. It was amazing. And so I ate it. And so here's the thing: when you make a choice to eat food again, and it can be a little small bite, what, ha- what happens is the hunger comes rushing back. And what happens, you get back into the pattern of eating, don't you? Eating, then feeling hungry, then eating again, the right kind of rhythm of life. And so you're probably looking at me thinking, "Why on earth are we having a biology lesson?" That's a fair point. Well let me say this: What is true in the natural is true in the spiritual. What is true in the natural is true in the spiritual. Why? Because we are created to feed on God. While we have these physical bodies that need food, we also need God. You know, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he fasted for 40 days, and the devil tempted him, and the first thing he said was, why don't you turn these stones into bread, because I know you're hungry. And how did Jesus respond? He responded with this. It is written, this is Matthew 4:4. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We are not just physical beings. We are spiritual beings, eternal beings created in the very image of God. And we're created to hunger and feed on God. We need it. It isn't optional. So, how does this hunger thing play out then? Well, we find that we have seasons where we feast on God, His Word, and in worship and His presence. And when we depart from, a while, hunger pains rise up. If you felt that? Those kind of promptings, and we kind of rush back into his presence. And sometimes we do, we respond, and we get in that cycle. But sometimes, sometimes the noise of life just drowns the hunger pains out a bit. And sometimes we just leave it too long. And what happens? Slowly the hunger just seems to fade away. Too many maybe laters haven't got the time, Lord. You'll understand. Maybe tomorrow. It's been a week, but that's fine. And we carry on as if all is normal. And the promptings fade into the background. I've seen it so clearly in my life. But you look at your world and you think, well, all seems okay. I mean, I don't feel hungry for God, so it must be fine. Getting by on a five-minute prayer a week. I don't feel hungry, so I obviously don't need to read his word. That's for other people. I'm not interested in the Bible. I don't need it. Look, I'm not hungry. And what happens, this is the deception. We carry on in our giftings that God has given us, which he doesn't take away, and we think we're fine. But what we don't realise is we've stopped feasting on him, and the hunger pains have just simply faded. But slowly we start looking at our lives and we feel and see the evidence of the absence of God in our lives. Just in the natural, we see the weakness sets in. I don't know if you've seen that. How does it set in? Well, in the withering fruit of our lives. You know, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit that is born in us and bears fruit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we start looking at our lives and think, oh man, I used to be way more patient than this. Why is it that driver really ticked me off? Okay, confession time, okay. If you're on a B road, and I love B roads, because you can do 50 and you know, the wind in your hair. I don't have a converter, but I imagine the wind's in my hair, you know. And someone in front of you is doing 35 or 40. That really annoys me. That's real evidence for me that I'm not bearing fruit. And shaking his head. Bad boy, Mark. <laughs> oh, right, you're, so- yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there's some agreement over here. So, thankfully, it's not just me. But you know, you see it in your life, don't you? Or maybe, I just feel like I used to love more. You know, I remember when I first came to the Lord and, and I really wanted to serve people and go the extra mile, but it just seems to have faded. Or I used to have more joy in my life than I do now, etc., etc., etc. What about this one? We start feeling it in worship and we struggle to connect, don't we? And we start thinking that it's because the music is wrong. And the lighting isn't helpful, and I wish that person wouldn't clap in that way. Apologies, it's probably me. But you know, we start thinking the issue is external and not internal. And the things we used to overcome seem to creep back in. The temptations that once we were victorious in seem to assault us. And I used to be so bold in sharing my faith, etc., etc., etc. And all of these things show us what? That we are food-deprived that we are deprived of God. But here's the good news. Lest you sit there concerned, God is merciful to us. He opens our eyes to our need for him. In his mercy, he shows us through ourselves and others in spite of the fact that we've allowed the hunger pains to fade, that we've ignored his prompting, In spite of that fact, he shows us that we need him. It's as if he pulls a mirror out and shows us our malnutrition state. And we know it. Deep down, we know it. But here's a crucial thing I want to focus on. It isn't condemnation. In that moment, what happens is when we see our state, we know we've been created for something better. That's what happens in that moment. We feel it. I've been there. You know, Luke 15 is, is the parable of the prodigal son. You know the story, the son got the inheritance early and he said, "Way, well, hey, I've got all this money and he ran away and he goes and spends it and he gets to the end of himself and he's eating pig's will, And then he comes to his senses, right? And he comes back to the father. What a wonderful story. Here's the thing I want to pick up on that story. It wasn't the pig's swill that made him run back home. This was just an awareness of his condition. What got him running home was an understanding and knowledge that the father had way more for him. He said, my father's servants have way more than I do. And so God's mercy is showing us his love for us. It's not like he bangs us over the head and says, how terrible, look what you've done. He says, my son, my daughter, I love you so much. You don't need to be living in this state. I've got amazing stuff for you. That is what happens. And in that moment, friends, we have a choice, don't we, in how we respond to his love? Why choice? Because you, in that moment, might not even feel hungry. You might not feel the hungry pains. I've been there. It's like, Lord, I don't even feel hungry. But you see the effect and you know the truth. And so we have a choice in how we respond. One of two ways. We can either respond in pride and say, it's fine, I don't need God. I can push through, look, it's fine, really. We call that the Pharisee condition. It assaults us all. Or we respond by saying, God, I do need you, to be honest. I'll be honest, Lord. I don't even feel hungry for you, but I recognize that you have way more for me. Please, Lord, I want to be hungry for you. And we call that the tax collector condition. And what is this position? Humility. Humility. And what happens then? He pours out his grace in response to our humility. He pours out his grace in response to our humility. And what is it? Grace is our first bite of sushi. (laughs) Oh, Lord, thank you. And the hunger comes rushing in as we soak in that grace. And you know, in this season, I know that what God is doing in many of you is stirring that hunger. And many of you have responded in humility and said, yes, I need more of you, Lord. And what has happened is he's starting to feed you again. And the hunger is rising in you. And you can feel this hunger. Or maybe for some of you, there's no hunger at all. But you can see you've become spiritually malnutritioned. And you can see that God has way more for you. Or maybe... You have been feasting on him, but you still feel hungry, and the enemy's been saying, huh, you see, God's not feeding you. Let me tell you what's happening right there. God is increasing your appetite because he's got more for you. God is increasing your appetite. If you're already feasting on him and you don't feel as if he's satisfying you, he keeps pouring in, but he's pouring in because he wants to increase your capacity for him because he's got way more for you. Way more. Way more. And so what we're going to do in the next few minutes is I want to look at Psalm 23, and we're going to unpack this together, a very brief teaching on the areas that we hunger after and how God feeds us. And you know, Psalm 23, please turn there with me, if you will, It'll be on the screen as well. It's one of the most famous of Psalms, written by the good shepherd, David. And um, I'm going to read this, and we're going to unpack from this four Ps. I don't mean of the food variety, of course. I mean letters. (laughs) Four Ps of how he feeds us. Let's read this. Are you together? First one. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And so what can we learn from this? four areas, four Ps that he feeds us with and we get hungry for. Here's the number one. Are you Ready? His precepts. What does precepts mean? It means his truth. And we see that in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You see here David is using the picture of green pastures as us feeding on him. But specifically the, the grass represents his truth. And I find it very interesting to note that it says that the shepherd makes the sheep lie down. Makes the sheep. Why is that? Well, I did a bit of research and it turns out you're gonna love this. That an evidence of a sick sheep is their lack of hunger. Evidence of sheep who are sick is lack of appetite. You see, the hunger goes, but the shepherd knows. The shepherd knows the sheep is sick and needs to eat. And so He makes the sheep lie down and says, look at this wonderful green grass that you can eat, just as our Father does with us in love. He makes us open our eyes by his mercy. And so it's as if he gets that mirror out, as I've talked about before, and says, look what you can have. Look, you've been feeding yourself on the world, but that is as a sugary sweet pop compared to the amazing stuff that I've got for you. And so what happens, we eat his word, it feeds us, it feeds our spirits, and crucially, what it does, it aligns ourselves with his truth. Who God says we are, that we are the beloved, that we are a royal priesthood, that we can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens us. The greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And all of a sudden, we shift and change how we see God and how we see ourselves, and we feed on his truth. But what it does at the same time, it cleanses us. You know, as a boy, my mum my would encourage my brother and I to read the Bible and would say, but mum, well, I don't remember it. What's the point? And she gave a really helpful picture. She said, imagine if I gave you a really dirty sieve and I said, go to the bottom of the garden, fill it up with water and bring me the water back. Well, don't be daft. Well, I didn't use the word daft to my mother, obviously, but don't be silly. Oh, maybe I said that. I'm not going to be able to bring you any water. Let's just do it. And, you know, you do it and you bring it back and do it again, do it again. Four or five times. And eventually she says, look at the sieve and it's clean. And that's what his word does for us, you see. We might not feel like we're retaining it. We might not feel like we can remember it. But in the process of reading this most amazing, life-changing word, he cleanses us from within. And we are in a generation, I'm afraid to say, that largely forgotten this thing. We're more interested on snacking on social media content than we are than putting aside the time to feed on his word. That is the danger of the generation that we live in. And my prayer for each of us is we get back into the word and be fed by his truth. All right, number two, the second P, his power. Verse two, he leads me beside quiet waters. And so as we align ourselves to his truth and his word builds faith and cleanses us, what happens next? His water, what is that? His Holy Spirit, his very power. And I find it interesting that it says he guides us. There's no making here. In other words, we have a choice to drink. So many Christians just get fed on precepts without the breath of the Spirit on it. And what happens? Legalism. It's got to be word and spirit. It's got to be word and spirit. And the Lord, in his graciousness, leads us all to his spirit. And it's a choice that we make to say, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And if we say yes, he pours it upon us, his spirit. And it empowers us that we can overcome the power to fight addictions, the power to pray for the sick, and we did that earlier, and heal the brokenhearted, the power to have the courage and boldness to speak out against injustice, and the power to proclaim the good news of Jesus in spite of opposition. That is the power of his living water in us. And we need his power, do we not? We need his power. Third P. So we looked at precepts, power. His paths. Verse 3, he guides me along right paths. You see, as we feed on his precepts and align our thinking with him, that we can do all things through Christ Jesus, that he has a plan and purpose for us. And as we become empowered by his spirit, this in turn builds our faith to walk in all he has for us. We want to walk in paths which he ordains for us. And it says, for his name's sake, why? For his glory. We realise, you see, as sheep that our own wanderings around have been fairly futile and we're getting fed up of being stuck in the brambles. And we're saying, okay, shepherd, lead me. Show me your path. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, one of the most quoted verses from this pulpit. Commit all your ways unto God and he shall direct your paths. Commit humility, you see, as we're humble. And you know, I love it here because it says your rod and your staff, they comfort me on this journey. You see, the shepherd is the one who protects and provides with his rod and cares and leads with his staff. That is the shepherd who loves us. And lastly, and I'll invite the band up at this point, the fourth P, his presence. His presence. It says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, verse 4, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You, your very presence. We find that as we make that step and as we set along those paths, they're not always easy, you see. You can be in the right place. You can be doing that which God is calling you to do. And it can feel as if he's disappeared. Have you been there before? I'm glad there's a few more nodding heads. Yeah, me too. It's like, where are you, Lord? The dark night of the soul. Maybe I've misheard you. No, he's just building faith in you to look up and say, (laughs) even though I will walk through the valley, you are with me. And so in that moment, what do we do? We soak in him. We feel him. We experience his presence. And as the psalmist says in Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, Lord, your presence. And what flows out is worship. What flows out is prayer. What flows out is devotion unto him. And as we stay in that place and get fed, our appetites increase. And we want more of his word, his precepts, more of his spirit, more of doing that which you've called me to do among your paths, Lord. We want more. And as I've been speaking, maybe the Holy Spirit has been stirring something in you. He's opened your eyes to way more. And as you said, yes, his grace has been poured into you and you feel that hunger rising. And you know, verse five says this, he prepares a table for you before your enemies, Let me just say this. This morning, God has prepared a table for you. God has a table for you. Amongst the complexities and challenges of this life. Amongst the issues that we face. In the midst of it. Don't say, I'll get my circumstances right first and then I'll come to you, Lord. You come to the Lord in the middle of your circumstances. And so this morning, God is wanting to feed us all. I'd like you to stand. Holy Spirit, we're just going to wait on the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.